Welcome to the Engaging Personalities Podcast. I'm Anders Belanger, founder and CEO of Engageify, where we're on a mission to rehumanize business through engagement. We believe that we can all be more successful if we can command attention and deepen connection. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on a future episode. So let's get ready to engage. Our guest on the show this week is a true man of the world. His work has taken him all over the globe with 15 years of experience in technology in North America, Europe, the Middle East, and Asia Pacific. He's been a media relations manager for a publication in Shanghai, was the director of admissions of a private school in Chicago, and was a sales manager for Google in the Asia Pacific region. He's now the founder and CEO of Consig, which is a B2B sales as a service company. Welcome to the podcast, William Gilchrist. William, welcome Thanks to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for having me. It's yeah. exciting. Excellent. So we were um, just connecting here and, uh, you know, we're talking about you just moved to a new place. Um, and from the intro, people can tell that you have been, you've been everywhere, man. It's kind of, it sounds like. So how did you become, you know, find yourself working all over the world? Because I, I find that interesting. Wow. Uh, it kind of starts when I was really young. Um, I was a student ambassador as a kid. Um, and I actually lived in China when I was 13. So it kind of started when oh. I was 13 years old. So being this kid from Chicago and having this one year of China experience, um, coming back to the US and trying to be normal again wasn't really in the remit. Right. So uh, from there, I went to Bowdoin College, which is a, a small liberal arts college in Maine, and um, majored in international relations, minored in Chinese politics. And right after that, I graduated and I packed my bags and I headed right over to China. And that's kind of how the international kind of vibe started, actually. So, so you must not have been able to speak like you didn't learn Mandarin when you were 13 in that year, or did you? No, no, no. In fact, uh, didn't know the language at all. Uh, very proudly um, did very poorly in Chinese at Bowdoin. I uh, had a professor that told me I would never learn Chinese. And then when I graduated from Beijing University, I wrote him an email in Chinese, a full letter. <laughs> but oh yeah, it happened actually a few years later. So yeah, Nice. It's that one of those kind of like, I'll prove you wrong kind of moments, right? You know, it actually didn't come to mind until my diploma came. And then I was like, hey, <laughs> didn't, didn't that guy say that? So, yeah. Okay. So you, you had a taste of, of, you know, the world kind of early and that kind of gave you the travel bug and enabled you to uh, branch out. Uh, I know Mandarin, I have one of my best friends, um, he's Canadian, and then he moved to, to uh, Beijing and he taught English uh, for a number of years, learned Mandarin, became a, 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 like a TV celebrity over there. And, and so he really had to work on it, but I know it's a difficult language. So uh, much respect to you for, for uh, pulling that off. You have to want it. Uh, yeah. Definitely. There's some times where you're up at night studying and you're saying, why on earth am I doing this again? Uh, so we've had many, many nights like that. So, yeah. So, so now let's, let's talk about your company, Consig. You're the CEO and founder. And from my understanding, you enable 
you know, companies, enterprises to be able to outsource their sales. Is that, is that, do I have that right? And can you just kind of walk us through how this came about, how you, you founded this company? Absolutely. So, I mean, I like to call it a sales mercenary group, right? And effectively, it's a combination of all the things that I would have wanted as a sales rep for um, being a director of admissions of a school, that's a sales role, being a sales rep for TSL marketing, being a sales rep for Google, being a sales rep for a company like Trade Gecko, being a sales rep for MyDoc. So literally every stage on my LinkedIn or in my resume there were moments where I said, oh my God, like I wish I had this or I wish I had that. And Consig effectively takes all of the uh, burdens of sales, right? So for our clients, the reason why it's uh, appealing is that we turn around and say, we're going to expand you globally. We're going to generate revenue for you, right? Um, how much that is, it depends on a lot of other factors, right? The market, people's response rates and things like that. But internally, it's a very fulfilling environment because the way we're structured, we allow the salespeople to focus on sales. They don't need to focus too much on data gathering, list building, scrubbing, and follow. We're kind of like one full army that takes on these tasks. But the clients just see one thing happening, which is like a floating sales department. Got you. So... And, and what you were saying there is because you're so specialized within internally, people can focus on the one task that they need and they're not, you're not all fractured and fragmented like salespeople would be out in the field normally. Correct. I mean, one of my first uh, days and, you know, I'm not that old. One of my first days in the sales world, um, someone told me, hey, you should look at the phone book to figure out who to go after. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm new. So I'm like, oh, yeah. I guess I'll do it. Yeah. We don't do that in Patsy. <laughs> you know, we have a full data team that goes out, scrubs list 24-7, and our sales reps are given effectively exactly what they need to be able to engage who they need to. And mm. from there, we let the market speak. And then we're yeah. giving our clients all the data that they need. I mean, the good, bad, and the ugly. I would say our biggest product is feedback. Whether clients value the feedback, that's another thing. More often than not, we get a lot of people calling us for money. They're like, okay, I want to make X amount of dollars in the next six to 12 months. And oftentimes I tell them, look, if we do that and we have no knowledge in terms of how we did that, it's really that million or two million is completely worthless, right? But if we didn't hit that, but we know exactly everything that's going on in your market, you can carry that on for the next five to 10 years, right? right? So yeah. these are things that, you know, oftentimes in the market, we have to work with our clients to say, what, what do you value more? This revenue right now, we can get you that. Or what's happening? Does your product yeah. actually catch? You know? So the feedback from the marketplace, because you have your ear to the ground when you engage with these customers through your different systems and, and, and how you go to market. Is that? 100%. And yeah. I mean, I would say that we're probably a little bit more effective than a lot of consulting firms because we're the ones actually talking to prospects, getting those rejections or getting those purchases. So it's happening right on the ground. So we kind of know how things are going to push versus I, I love forecast documents that we see from like consulting firms. They're like, we yeah. believe this is going to happen in this particular right. time frame. Which is and so, we, yeah. It's, it's, we're like, that's funny, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
It, it kind of reminds me of that, like, you know, uh, academic, you know, professorial right. kind of theory thing, right? Where you're, you're boots on the ground, you're doing it, you're learning off of that and, and, and pivoting how you need to, right? Can I, can I ask you a question about the name? How did the name come about? I love that question. And it's actually hidden. It's a, it's a secret. But what I can say is that it means counselor. Oh, that's okay. the best way to define it. In, in a, in, in a language or it's too Correct. much. Of a, it means, you can't, you're not going to go there. Okay. Fair it enough. means counselor. In fact, that really gives it away. It only takes about two steps for you to realize what it, where it comes from. And then from there, you'll totally draw the connection in terms of where okay. the name came from. But okay. I, I, I made a pledge that I'm going to keep it hidden. But okay. it's, it's a good story. It's a challenge to our listeners to, uh, to go uh, do some detective work and see, see what they can pull up. Oh, I gave it away right now. I just gave it away, really. I mean, as soon as they take one second, I'm like, oh, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this idea of, of, you know, sales as a service, and too bad SaaS is already taken, right? Like software as a service. Do you have, is there, is there like a, you know, a short version that you refer to this as or no? You know what? It was very awkward when I started it because that's exactly the issue that I had. I said, what do we call this? Like, SaaS, yeah. we can't call it SaaS, right? We actually help SaaS companies. Yeah. Um, so I don't shorten it. I mean, effectively, it's outs for sales. It's sales as a service. Um, yeah. Sales mercenaries was actually what I came with because I thought it was fun to say that because yeah. when you think about what we do, that's literally it. I mean, if we're taking large enterprises abroad, if we're taking startups abroad, if we are helping them expand locally or regionally, um, that's a mercenary group. And, and, and actually, I can tell you where the concept of sales mercenaries came from. When I was starting the company, I was reading Eric Prince's Civilian Warriors, the founder of Blackwater. Mm. And I was reading the book and he was in the Navy SEALs and he became a trainer for the Navy SEALs. And I was drawing these weird parallels. And at the time I was going through a weird shift in my career, right? And um, I was reading the book and I was like, yeah, wow. He was in the Navy SEALs, well, I was in Google. Okay, he became a trainer for the Navy SEALs. Well, I was a trainer for a lot of Google salespeople. Yeah. And I just kind of whipped out this like list. And when I got to the end of the book, I said, huh, wow. You know, that idea that I had about like this outsourced sales group could be more like a sales mercenary group. And that's kind of where it all came from. Yeah. Well, I love the, so there's something cool when you kind of add military things to, you know, business, you know, just kind of, it's a little bit like that hired gun kind of idea. Um, but it's so much more than a, a gun, right? It's a mercenary force because you have, you know, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, some of the different departments or some of the different services that Consig offers? Because it's not just, I mean, there's, you're really revenue as a service in a sense, right? Because you're delivering, you know, the, that KPI of, of, of sales back. Um, what, tell us a little bit more about like, what is all there? You talked a little bit about creating databases, lists, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yes. Yeah, so the services that we deliver to our clients, right, are pretty straightforward. Uh, our bread and butter is sales as a service. Now, sales as a service is a floating sales department globally, um, and you can angle it around the world at one time or a particular region or a particular country, right? That's our bread and butter service. That's what's on the door. However, when you get sales as a service, in order to be an effective sales team, you need things like 
lead generation. And if we happen to be a sales mercenary group that's effective in doing sales as a service, we would also need to have a world-class lead generation team in order to do that for our team. So we have a lead generation department. We didn't offer that service of lead generation for companies because it was a big no-no word, right, in the beginning. But the demand was so high that in uh, late 2018, we actually ended up saying, okay, fine, we're going to do lead generation on an ad hoc basis for certain companies. But the reason why it's a no-no word is because you probably get a million emails every day of companies offering lead generation services. And they're probably great firms, but they're not doing what we're trying to do, which is the actual revenue as a service, that actual customized approach and attacking markets. So um, that lead generation piece became an offering. So the primary things that we offer our clients is sales and service, lead generation. And then we also, in, um, during COVID, added in account-based marketing. And that's kind of the database piece, but we don't give large data. What we do is we research companies. We find out who the procurement process, the buying processes, and who's in these particular departments. And we give that to our clients so they can be more effective in their sales. Nice. Now, we, uh, when, when, when we're talking about all these companies using you as, as these sales mercenaries, automatically something in my mind goes like, how is it possible that you can do this for all these different companies? Because, and I know you, this is probably an objection you get from companies like, well, our company's different. You know, like, how, how are you going to do that for us? Because, you know, so I know our you're going to That's the first thing on our FAQ deck. You go to our website. On our FAQ doc, the first thing we have is, I bet you think that you're special and your product <laughs> is impossible for anybody like we know, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the most, if I had a dollar, I wouldn't be doing this business. If I had a dollar for every time someone said that, we would be... That. And, really and William, I totally relate to that because in, in our trade show infotainment that we do with companies, creating more crowds of people around trade show booths, we do messaging for every company and they're, you know, they're always, you know, well, we're different. And it's like, well, when you, when you bring things down, we, we saw the patterns. And then of course we're able to still make custom presentations. It's, it's, you know, we, there's a system. So I'm guessing there's kind of a system behind what you do as well. Yes. So there's layers, right? Um, I've seen people with the best product knowledge, imaginable about products and they're the worst at selling it because they're not having conversations they're presenting the product mm -hmm. they are a billboard for the product they're showcasing a product they're there's really a curse good. of knowledge happening there right they know too much almost right like 100 they're so into the product and aware of the product that they're actually believing the product sells itself it doesn't Right. And they miss the conversation. They are just more upset at the fact you're not equally as excited over the complexities and the uniqueness of this product versus having a real conversation by saying, you know, do you want something like this? You know, like a salesperson, more often than not, is having a real conversation with you. Um, having a business conversation, really trying to understand how the product, where, where the product's effective, and actually sometimes even seeing where the product doesn't work. In fact, nothing's worse than pushing something on someone that's not actually going to help them. So more often than not, what I see is that 
um, when people tell me like, oh, it's really difficult for you to understand this product or whatever, more often than not, I always tell them, look, let us get you a deal. And when they start to ask us all those extremely complex technical rocket science questions, we'll bring you on the call. If that holds up the deal, we have you. That's that's great. I mean, that's, and I, I like how you're talking about, you know, the conversation, right? Because if you boil down sales, right, you're just, you're trying to help people and, and trying to find that fit. I, I, I think, you know, when you, let me ask you this too, William, when you were a trainer, you know, and, and I think you're a head of knowledge, I guess, for, for your sales. No, uh, sorry, it was a Google. Yeah, it was a, yeah. A, a Google sales. Yeah. So, so when you were training other salespeople or, or, or putting together that, I should say, or the, the body of knowledge that, that was there, what were some of the trends? What were some of the patterns that you saw that, you know, you then brought into when you founded Consig? What are some of the things that you saw that you think is maybe lacking out there that people need? Interesting. It didn't come from training, oddly okay. enough. By the time I, and you know, it's, it's, you would think it would actually. By the time I was a trainer, I think I was more bitter about <laughs> how organizations were running their sales. Um, I started really my real technology sales chops at TSL Marketing before I even got to Google. And then um, I really learned my sales there. Um, cold calls, no real brand recognition, pretty much just being that guy on the phone all the time, right? And getting rejected probably 80 times a day. I mean, I've heard every uh, name call you could think of, every, every word that is a choice word. And then I learned my real sales chops there. Then I got into big corporates and I started to realize just how opposite it was, like the concept of outbound sales, the conversation, the quality of going out there and getting it. It was more existing and how to like maneuver the company more than actually being maneuvering the company to the point of a deal happening and then standing there and saying, I am a salesperson. And you're just like, did you really though? You know, that, that's not how that happened. That was a renewal. Um, and then, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, this would happen. And then being extremely bitter about that being an accepted practice and the art of the cold approach sales being just completely ignored. By the time I became a trainer, I think I was more calling that stuff out and really kind of putting together all those previous years of experience, being a sales rep at Google, being a sales rep at TSL, and really just kind of putting together my trainings to say, do you actually you know, do you actually know what you're presenting? Do you actually know the things that you're saying? Do you actually think that anyone cares about your product? I don't know a single person that ever cared really about what Google was selling. They wanted the t-shirt or they wanted the, the lunch, but to give me a million dollars, well, for some weird reason, they didn't do that every day. So I learned really quickly that hey, you know, there's a lot more to this than being cool, being trendy and having an amazing product. You need to connect with people. And that's what I brought into my training. And then that's ultimately what I carried with me on the way out because I saw it working on a mass scale where people were saying, whoa, you know, I got all these CEOs in my phone and I'm able to call them for renewals and all this stuff. That's because you connected with them and you really sold a product. You didn't Think the product was just going to carry you through your quarter you know hmm. so when you talk about connecting with people 
um, and, and from that experience and with the people that you train, what are, do you have any, any tips on creating connection with the people that, you know, you're trying to sell to with your, with your prospects? Yeah. So, I mean, look, I think being as genuine and to yourself as possible, if you're at a cafe or if you're at a bar, or if you're at a movie theater, or if you're out, or you're at a friend's place for dinner, and you're meeting someone there, and you're at a table, and you're sitting right across from you, and you're going to be at this table for the next hour, hour and a half, and you're going to have to talk to someone new. What happens there? What is the conversation that you have? Eventually, you're going to talk about what, you know, what, what I do, what you do. I mean, that's in a formal dinner setting. But when you're looking at connecting with people, what do you normally do in your life? What is the conversation like in your normal life? And, and how does that feel? Because the more natural you seem, the natural connections happen, right? Like natural connections happen, the more genuine and natural you're actually being in your communication style. And are you able to draw someone in socially, then you can draw someone in professionally. You just need to be able to realize that this entire process is human-based and that's where connection really starts. So do you feel that sometimes I think when, you know, certain companies will have sales scripts or, you know, these things that it somehow we segment our body or not our body, but like how we are professionally from how we are personally and it somehow creates this, you know, inauthentic version of ourselves in the professional world. Is that, is that what you're kind of saying? Emotionally, you can detach yourself because sometimes you're going to get rejected and you don't want them to like hurt your heart. Right. But I think that I believe in, it's funny that you mentioned scripts, right? Cause I'm sure if my team sees this, they're going to crack up laughing and they're going to know why I smirk because I am anti-scripts. You just know what it is know what the product is. We can go through a playbook to explain what yeah. this product is. But how do you, how would you communicate this to your 90-year-old grandmother? Yeah. How does it go, right? So we don't have scripts in Consig and we run a full sales organization for seven years almost. And I do not believe in scripts. And I think that if you need a script, you don't really know what you're saying. And I've done drills like this where um, people have, you know, had a script and I get calls from banks for credit cards and things like that all the time. And out of nowhere, you could say something like, yeah, pink elephant in the middle of a sentence. And you know, they're on a script, so they don't know what to say. So what happens is they have to continue or they awkwardly stop and then repeat the same thing because they're going off of script. Yeah. And I you know, I've, I've ran these drills with my team and saying, look at the dangers because an individual could literally be carrying down a conversation that is totally separate from what you're actually there to talk about. And your script just narrows your mind to be an effective salesperson. So I don't believe in them. And I, I agree with you, William, in the sense that you, you need to be in the moment and be listening to them and responding to them in the way that needs to be done as opposed to this predefined kind of thing. Now I can, I come from the world of presentations. So it's, you know, we do want to script and be, uh, I always say that, that, uh, you know, if you're going to shoot from the hip, at least have a target, you know, like 
this is where you're, where you start. Okay. Um, but of course <laughs> that is your guide, you know, and then you'd be able to communicate it. But I'm this, I feel the same way. Like I, I start with scripts and then whether I hit them or not, it doesn't matter. Cause I'm, I just know it by the time I need to, to communicate it. Um, but I think you're right. That authenticity is so lacking that, you know, when people, and again, you hear it right away on the phone, you know, when this no, is a school, you're like, oh boy. Um, but the people who are personable, the people who you can hear it in the tone of their voice, all of a sudden, those are the people that you want to talk with more and, and engage with. So, um, yeah, so you're throwing out the scripts. All right. I like it. Uh, very cool. So, um, you know, is this trend, like, I think I've seen this coming along a little bit, um, companies outsourcing, you know, their, their sales departments. Is there, um, you know, a lot of resistance to people relinquishing, you know, what's going to drive business for them? Like, it, that must be scary because, like, do they, you know, is it feel, um, are they, are, are, are clients apprehensive at all? Or if, if you deliver results, they're, they're thrilled. So they just kind of try, you know, got to try it before you. You judge it all the, all the time they're reluctant right uh we are if we perform they're surprised and then they don't trust us to be able to perform again if we don't uh we knew that we knew it wasn't gonna work and it doesn't take much time right yeah. um, this is the only trade where you're not really given a uh, a ramp up or a buffer and it's the only trade where sometimes it really 100% has nothing to do with you let's say you can call 4,000 people and those 4,000 people literally didn't pick up the phone like no one was there right uh well I can't magically create a deal out of that so when those things happen that narrative doesn't quite go back in a way that you would think, right? Because we can talk about this now and it makes sense. But when you bring it back to a client who's outsourcing their sales and they have that concern about the fact that they're outsourcing their sales, some of that information tends to trigger, right? To where they're really quick to react or they're particularly nervous because they've trusted you, they've entrusted you with like their revenue for the year. Um, so yeah, it's a really interesting business where a lot of times the internal piece has its pros and cons. Outsourcing has its pros and cons. This is a louder pro and con when you outsource. And that usually makes people a little bit resistant to relinquishing that control. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's a leap of faith, right? Uh, and so you need to make sure there's a fit. And speaking of that, can you tell us a little bit about what are the, what is, you know, the types of companies that you work with that would be a good fit in case someone's listening to this and going, oh, this is kind of interesting. Maybe I should take a closer look. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we, uh, we deal in the cybersecurity space primarily. Um, a lot of our clients are cybersecurity. Um, we dealt in space tech, actually. Um, I'll just leave it there. Yeah, um, literally space tech, which was really fascinating. Um, we've dealt with uh, import export companies. Um, we've dealt in med tech, mark tech, um, edu tech. I mean, any kind of SaaS Anything tech. <laughs> Anything tech, but we also moved into interesting pieces uh, as well, where we have a subsidiary called SportsBridge, right? And that's mm -hmm. a joint venture 
age of wealth. And um, if you follow football, um, the Binance being on the front of Lazio, well, we did that deal, that Jersey deal. So we can go from tech to space to sports to firms to services. So we're kind of a multi-use adapter. It just really depends on the project and whether or not we take it on. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, that's the beautiful thing about sales, right? Like it's, if you're a good salesperson, you'll never really be unemployed, right? You'll, you always find someone to, you know, and the principles transfer for the most part, right? So as far as industry agnostic completely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, if people wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to, to reach out, William? Absolutely. Uh, well, consig.com, K-O-N-S-Y-G.com. Um, as soon as you go to the website, um, booking me is pretty much right there and booking the team. So um, if you want to talk to me, you just have to say you want to talk to me. But uh, more often than not, most of our team are on the ready. We're 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We operate in 14 different countries across every continent. We're only not effective. I'll, I'll just give all the sales kind of clearing out. We're not effective in Germany. We're not effective in Japan. And obviously we don't do North Korea or Russia at the moment. So other than that, the world is pretty much open and we have multiple languages and we exist. That is amazing. So it's, it's interesting because we started the podcast talking about you going all over the world, working all over the world, and your company works all over the world. It's kind of very much of of you and from you uh, in that sense, in that international flavor. So, uh, William, thank you so much for coming on the show and and sharing with us um, all about you and, and, and your company. I think it's fascinating. I think it's probably the wave of the future, I imagine. Thank you very much for having me. This is uh, a lot of fun. I love doing these. So, love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners for uh, joining us on another podcast. And until next time, stay engaged. Thank you so much for listening to Engaging Personalities. If you believe this world needs more engagement and you're an industry leader or you have an interesting take on rehumanizing business, go to go.engageify.ai slash podcast hyphen guest to apply and come on the show. If you got something out of this interview, do you mind sharing it on your social media? Just grab a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, Tag them on social media to let them know about the show. Include the hashtag engaging personalities. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episode, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, engageify.ai, or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening and stay engaged.